Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Welcome to the first of our CCF summer podcast series, uh, wherein we're going to be talking about three different books of the Bible, Titus and then First and Second Timothy. They're often referred to as the pastoral epistles due to the fact that Paul wrote them to pastors, to Titus and to Timothy. They're actually named after the guys that they're addressed to um, in order to help them in their leadership of the churches in Crete and in Ephesus. So what basically happened is Paul had started those churches, and then he appointed some of his disciples, uh, Titus and Timothy specifically, to be the leaders of those churches. Uh, So first, today, we're going to be looking at the first chapter of Titus, and we're pretty much going to go through a chapter a week uh, during the summer, and so be listening to the podcasts on Titus and First and Second Timothy. But let's just start digging into some text here with Titus 1. Starting in verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, with which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and in his appointed season he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now, when it comes to letters, it's always important to take uh, a a good look at kind of how the opening address starts, especially with these ancient letters that were written. Not only do they identify the author and the recipient of the letter, but there's usually, um, for Paul's letters, he gives some kind of just glimpse of where the letter's going, of the things that he wants to emphasize, the characteristics of God that he uh, finds important. And so when he addresses himself, he identifies himself as a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then talks about faith, knowledge of truth, things that lead to godliness. And so faith and knowledge, these are kind of some of the things that he wants to be emphasizing. He puts forth right away in his letter that these are important characteristics that we need to be mindful of as as we come to. That Titus, I want you to take notice of as we go through this letter, as I tell you my advice and what you should be doing in leading the church on Crete. Um, it's also great that he addresses Titus, uh, my my true son in our common faith, um, because it, for those that don't know, um, who don't know, what I want to try to give a little bit of background knowledge about Titus and, and who he is. Now, Titus is mentioned a few times in scripture. He shows up in Acts. He's um, I talked about quite a bit in Galatians. Um, he's also the guy that delivers the letters to the church in Corinth. He delivers 1 Corinthians. He delivers 2 Corinthians. He delivers the letter that's sandwiched in between that's referred to as the severe letter. Uh, for those of you that were a part of our school year study when we went through First and Second Corinthians. Uh, the name Titus should have a little bit of familiarity, as he's the guy who's delivering these letters. He's an important person in Paul's life, who Paul is entrusted with important tasks, and so Paul knows Titus really well. But the thing about Titus too is that he's actually a Gentile. He's not Jewish like Paul is. Uh, it talks about how he is uncircumcised in in Galatians, and that uh, Paul actually asked him to remain uncircumcised um, to be an example of what that looks like. And yet he addresses him as his true son in our common faith. Now that would be kind of stepping out a little bit in the ancient times for for a Jew to say that about a Gentile. And so that's a significant way that Paul is marking Titus and saying. This is my disciple. This is someone who studied under me. This is my true son in our common 
faith. And so he's already giving Titus some of that authority that maybe others wouldn't see in that light because of Titus being a Gentile, because of his background, because of him being somewhat of an outsider. Um, so I love when Paul does that, when he steps out and says, no, this guy's part of our group. He's part of our faith. He's part of our family. You need to listen to him. And so that's a neat thing. And, and then he starts to address right away in the next uh, verses from 5 to 16, which I'm going to read in just a second. He starts to address um, what he wants Titus to, to glean from this letter, what his responsibilities are, and why he left him in charge on Crete. So starting in verse 5 through 16 now. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not going given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are ruining whole households by teaching things that they ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, so that they will be sound in the faith, and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That's quite some things to be saying. Not only about um, about the way Crete is and, and some of the opposition they've been facing in Crete that the church has been facing, uh, but also Titus's task. And uh, one of the things that this first chapter of Titus is often used for is this list here of, of elders. And there are some churches that will take this list or, or other lists that are found and say, like, these are qualifications for elders. This is what someone who's leading the church um, should look like. And that's not in itself a, a bad idea. One of the things that I think, though, that we miss out on when we do that is that Paul here is laying forth a very specific list for Titus for the church in Crete, that there are certain characteristics that, that you know, again, are good characteristics are not bad things to look for in leadership in an elder, but there are specific characteristics that he wanted to emphasize to the church in Crete to be standing in, in sharp, uh, distinct contrast to how the Cretans were, um, to, to how the citizens of Crete normally acted and, and treated one another. And, and so he says, make sure that when you're appointing your eldership, your leadership, that not only are they, they people of high character and integrity, um, but they look especially um, specific in these ways, that that they must be blameless, that they must not be overbearing or quick-tempered, that they must not be given to drunkenness or, or violence that they must not be pursuing dishonest gain, that he has these uh, characteristics that he says, you really need to make sure that your elders look like this because in your culture, in, in your church, and in, in your in your area, there's a lot of people that this is what they do, that this is how they look, that they're, they are overbearing, that they are um, quick-tempered, that, that, that they get drunk and violent and, and, and have all these 
dishonest pursuits um, in, in order to have their own gain. Make sure that your elders stand in stark contrast to that, um, because in your in your town, in your area, that's going to mark the church as something different. That's going to help them see that God is something different, that there is holiness, godliness in your church, because they see how different they are in, in a positive way from the culture around you. Again, what I want to say is these characteristics are not bad ones to use, uh, but sometimes when we just kind of say, make a blanket statement of being now this is exactly how an elder has to be and and we use this exact list this could be a very good list in a lot of different areas and 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 help stand as a contrast in a lot of different things but there might be other characteristics that you should be looking for in in the leadership of your church because you might need to look around and say well what does our world look like that the church needs to stand in sharp contrast to what is something that we need to pay attention to? Do we need a leader that's that's a little bit more focused on social justice because we see the injustice of the world around us? Do we need a leader that's a little bit more focused on generosity because we we see in, in our world, we see in our society those who just try to take advantage of others and oppress others and and are not hospitable or, or generous? You know, so I, I think one of the things that, that we should glean from this and, and – and when we're trying to figure out what the leadership of our churches should look like, what our elders, deacons, whatever office we've given them, um, what that should look like, is that it should be things that stand in stark contrast to the world around us, the ways that the world is not representing God's character. And we should find people that have God's heart and God's character, especially in those areas, to really highlight that we are different that we are set apart, that there's holiness here that looks really different from the society ar around us. And I think that's what we should have an emphasis for when we figure out who our elders should be. So again, this list may not be a bad starting point, but it shouldn't be an end-all be-all for who our elders should be. And, and in fact, there's other places where Paul gives lists and gives some qualifications, if you want to call them that, for what leadership should look like. But it's a little bit different of a list. Um, there are some places where it, it echoes and it says kind of the same things. And there are some places where it says it emphasizes different points. And and so I guess I want to say is whenever you see lists like this in Scripture, um, we, we tend to try to make these lists exclusive and say somebody has to be exactly like this. Otherwise, we can forget about them as leaders. If you have somebody that has a past um, of struggling with alcoholism and is, is prone to violence, then they just can't be an elder. Um, because they don't meet this list that we found here in Titus. Um, but it might be that that person is exactly what you need because you need to show your area, you need to show people in your town that that you should be giving people second chances, that someone can can re rehabilitate their lives and they can they can break out of those cycles and and they can you know battle those things in in a productive in a healthy way. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to emphasize that these lists are sometimes used to exclude people, and 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 I don't think they should be used in that way. These are not exclusive lists. These, these are characteristics that were really good for Crete in the time that Paul wrote this letter, and that's what they should have been looking for in their leaders. So, so be wise when you're choosing your leaders, but also pay attention to the culture around you and what things you need to stand in contrast to and in what ways that you can be best speaking to your 
culture by the very leaders that you choose to represent your church, your your the body of Christ. And then the rest of the um, chapter basically talks kind of about like why that's so important to have elders that are that way because it kind of highlights what Crete looks like. Uh, even one of their own prophets had said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. It gives you a little snapshot of apparently what it looks like to be an average set citizen of, of Crete. Uh, a liar, an evil brute, a lazy glutton. That's not a great list. Not something that you want to be called, want to be um, have told about you. Um, and, and so this is just, you know, Paul saying, Titus, be aware. Uh, you've been in the church for a while, but I want to remind you, this is what it looks like, and this is what you need to be standing against. This is what you need to be battling against in leading the church. And, and again, uh, for us, I think that's a reminder of, of being wise, being present, being aware of what's going on in the world around us, how our culture looks. Um, we need to be ready to, to know where to stand firm and say, that's not what a relationship with God looks like. That's not what the Christian faith looks like. That's not what it looks like in the church. It might look like that in the world. There might be people that are lazy gluttons and evil brutes and liars. But here in the church, we are people of, of truth. We are people of compassion. We are people that serve others, that are that are generous, that are hospitable. And, and this is what our church looks like. And this is how we are different from this place where we are found. We're not like those Cretans that you see. We are the people of God. We are holy. We are set apart. We are something different because our God is something different. And I think that's something that we need to carry forward uh, as we look at the world around us, a world that is in a pandemic that is hurting um, because of, of violence and racism and, and all, all the evils that we see around us, that we read about on our news feeds, that we see um, reported on and, and hear people just mourning and lamenting because of the way that the world looks. Um, for one, I think we should enter into that mourning and lamenting, acknowledging that th it hurts, that the world shouldn't be like this, that we don't want the world to be like this, and that we can call out what is wrong in the world and lament what is wrong in the world and stand for something else, stand for um, compassion, and kindness, hospitality, welcoming in those that are that are different than us, that, that look different, that act different, that have different um, beliefs, that we can be one who, who embraces and loves and shows kindness and compassion to people that are different than us. And so I, I think that's one of the things that we need to emphasize as, as Jesus people, um, especially as a group that is so often called out in our culture for being exclusivist for being um, elitist even, um, for being hateful uh, towards anyone who, who isn't a Christian, um, that we need to show incredible love and compassion, stand against what is being said, um, not only about us, but what's being acted out so many places in the world. And we should be ones that, that extend love and kindness and generosity um, regardless of, of what the the groups the outsiders the different um regardless of of what makes them different that we should be ones that are compassionate and loving
um, because that is what our God is. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That even when we were far from God, God said, let me build a bridge away back to me because I want you to know my love. I want you to experience my love. And, and it's up to us uh, as Christians to be the ones who, who bring that back around. So uh, join us uh, next time and, and listen to our next podcast as we continue to go through the book of Titus. And then after Titus, we're going to get to First and Second Timothy. And I think God's going to share with us a lot about his heart, about uh, his, his churches, about what we should be doing in, in our world. Um, and we can learn that a lot from Paul's pastoral epistles. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.